Welcome to Clear Thinking, a GPS for the Christian mind, teaching you how to think, not just what to think. This is Joe Aguirre with theologian and philosopher Kenneth Samples. On today's podcast, Ken continues to talk about conspiracy theories. Ken, you've been talking about this uh, topic in the last two podcasts and have given us some very helpful questions to ask as you've gone through some of the major conspiracies that have been out there for really decades and some of the newer ones. Uh, Maybe you can give us a brief recap on what you've talked about and then uh, tell us where we're going today. Yes. Well, we've looked looked at the big four conspiracy theories, talked a little bit about the granddaddy of them all, JFK conspiracy theory, but also UFO conspiracy theories, uh, the the truther claims the 9/11 that it was an inside job. Uh, the fourth one we've looked at uh, secret societies, but boy, there's a lot of others. You know, did NASA really go to the moon? Um, all kinds of conspiracy theories, and and again, the pandemic I think has intensified, where people have asked serious questions about where did this virus come from? What did our political and our medical leaders know? Um, was politics shoved down our throat? You know, so uh, it's important, I think, to to think about these issues, to talk about them. We also talked about why conspiracy theories are popular. Um, you know, uh, sometimes they're true. Uh, they're fun to speculate about. Um, they kind of appeal to our sense of balance. We want, uh, you know, if the horrific crime of Kennedy being murdered, how could he have been killed by kind of a nobody? Um, and I, I think adopting a conspiracy theory kind of balances out the uh, proportional uh, bias. And then, and of course, sometimes people like to manipulate, they like to uh, influence people. And so we talked a little bit about that. Talked about some of the questions you want to ask. Um, you know, you want to ask somebody, how many people would have to be involved in this big government conspiracy theory, and where would they meet to plan it, and how could they ensure that everybody would would be silent about it? And um, you know, isn't there a reasonableness that uh, somebody's going to spill the beans? That's a that's a really good question. Another good question, I think, is to ask, how could my theory be falsified. A lot of times we don't we don't think about that. Um, what what would have to happen for my conspiracy theory to be proven false? Uh, how do I handle the facts? How do I handle assumptions? And and again, I think it's very important to ask questions. One of my favorite philosophers was Socrates. In fact, it was Plato's dialogues about Socrates. It was the first philosophy text that, that I ever read. And Socrates was great at asking critical questions. Uh, we talk about the, the uh, Socratic method, you know, kind of a uh, interrogating by asking uh, very thoughtful questions that hit right at the heart of the issue. I think Jesus was very similar to that. Um, Jesus was difficult uh, to confront because he asked critical questions and uh, he had a remarkable ability to engage in debate and uh, uh, dialogue. So those are those are some of the things that we have uh, uh, talked a little bit about. And what I'd like to do, uh, Joe, in this uh, this show is to talk a little bit about 
what I call uh, the actions and virtues of, of careful thinking. So that's where I want to go. Wonderful. Well, uh, I don't want to steal any thunder, but it uh, has made me wonder, that is, uh, hearing your thoughts on the last two podcasts, it has made me wonder whether I uh, am a pursuer of the truth as much as I should be. And you talk about the intellectual virtues. Uh, You've talked about that variously on this podcast. But uh, I guess I was thinking between shows about uh, am I do I enjoy the entertainment value more than the pursuit of truth and I'm one of those people who is skeptical of government and it's kind of easier for me to go down that path yeah they're withholding this or that from us rather than well how do I find out the truth on this and uh, how am I being responsible when I talk about this with other people uh, to ensure that uh, nobody's reputations are besmirched or uh, God is not honored in the way I talk and discuss this. So that's my thought. (laughs) Well, let's bring that context to bear. I mean, um, I, I'll be very candid with you. I, I think our country uh, and our culture is in decline. Now I know enough about history, particularly Christian history to realize that There are times in which Christianity seems to be moving ahead and other times in which it tends to be falling behind. So, you know, even St. Augustine, one of my favorite Christian thinkers, when he died, he thought Roman civilization, he thought civilization itself was falling apart. So, you know, we never know where we're at, but, you know, I see a lot of propaganda. I see fake news, yellow journalism. I see journalists that are that are not, um, you know, they're advocacy journalists. They're, they're not trying to be fair. They're, they've got an agenda. But boy, I think, I think how important journalism really is. I think how Christians should go into the field and uh, uh, the difference that they could make in a positive way. But, I, but I'm also aware of logical fallacies and uh, cognitive biases and uh, conspiracy theories. And so I think we live at a, we live at a difficult time. And uh, I don't like people shoving things down my throat. I don't like people telling me what I, what I have to accept. Um, and I think it's important to be skeptical. I think skepticism is a good thing. Sometimes from a Christian apologetic point of view, we can think negatively about people who are skeptical of our faith. But skepticism is not always a bad thing. And uh, I think we can be skeptical. And I I don't think Christianity has anything to hide. Now, uh, when we talk a little bit about virtue, uh, I know at my church, I go to an Anglican church, a conservative Anglican church. And Every other week, we go through the Ten Commandments, and I, um, the rector, who is our our pastor, uh, he will, uh, you know, read the particular commandment, and uh, the congregation will, will respond, you know, that uh, asking the Lord to, uh, by the grace of God, help us to help us to fulfill these commandments. And, and of course, you know, you look at the first five, no God before me, don't make a graven image, don't take the Lord's name in vain, keep the Sabbath day. 
Um, you know, those are honor your father and mother. Those are such critical uh, moral principles. But the second five are what I would call uh, moral virtues. Um, you know, uh, don't murder. Uh, don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Uh, don't bear false witness. Don't covet what other people have. I, I think that lots of Christians are very familiar with what I would call the moral principles, uh, that as Christians, we're called to a, a life of holiness and godliness. Now, nobody does it perfectly. The commandments, uh, they clearly uh, convict us of, of being sinners, and we need a savior. But what I want to talk a little bit about now is what I'm what I'm going to call intellectual virtues. And um, the Bible does talk about intellectual virtues, Joe. Here's a couple of examples. Uh, I love this one out of the book of Acts, where um, it says that the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians. And why? Why is that the case? Because, uh, you know, the, there was no New Testament when Paul was preaching. And so these Jews would open up their Hebrew Bible, and Paul was talking about how Jesus the Christ, Yeshua, was the Messiah, and how he had fulfilled these Old Testament truths. Well, they were, they were looking in their Hebrew Bible. Does this guy really know what he's talking about? You know, they're checking sources. They're, they're investigating. That, that's a really important uh, intellectual virtue. Uh, another one, 1 Thessalonians 5.21, the early church, there were prophets who came into the church and would speak. And uh, Paul says, test all things and hold on to the good. Now, the context of that was prophecy, but I think it's a very uh, sound principle. Put things to the test. Uh, John, 1 John uh, chapter 4, don't believe things too quickly. Many false prophets have gone out into the world. Uh, you know, I, I think a clear idea there is be discerning, be careful in your thinking. Uh, Paul in Romans 12 talks about intellectual renewal. So I think that we can honor God by being faithful to our spouse. I think we can honor God by not besmirching people's character. I think we can uh, honor God by not stealing, but I think we can also honor God by being careful in our thinking, uh, you know, reasoning fairly, uh, being people that can be relied upon. And Joe, in light of propaganda, fake news, yellow journalism, bias, conspiracy, and formological fallacies, I mean, the idea that you would handle truth and treat it as a sacred thing, that can really make you stand out. And I like the, I really like scholars, whether they be Christian or non-Christian, who handle things carefully and honestly and fair-mindedly. Um, I, and, and I think people are capable of that. Uh, I talk about the apologetics golden rule, treat other people's ideas the way you want yours treated. It doesn't mean you have to swallow them or, or accept them, but you treat them fairly, fair-mindedly. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, you could you could even talk about uh, uh, you know kind of a philosophical good Samaritanism. Um, you know, try to help people out when when 
I was debating Jeff Swearing last week, and we were talking about whether um, there can actually be actual infinites. So I took my advocacy hat off and I said, Jeff, this is how I would reason for your position if I held your view. Here's how I would come at it. And here's where I think you can make, you know, you can make your view stronger. I think we should get into the habit of doing that, that, um, you know, uh, Christians are supposed to be gracious. I mean, I think right at the heart of historic Christianity is the idea of grace, that salvation is not something we deserve. It's not something we could ever earn. It has been given to us by God. It is motivated by his mercy, his kindness, and his love. And I don't think there's anything uh, at odds between being a loving, gracious person, but also being a, a, a person who insists on having the truth. So, um, you know, I've, I've devoted the last 40 years of my life uh, thinking about arguments uh, philosophically, scientifically, historically, for and against Christianity. But Joe, I'll tell you a lot for a lot of people, it's the character of the mm -hmm. individual that makes a real difference. And um, you know, I, I think we want I think we want to give that a lot of thought. And uh, so let's talk a bit more here about uh, these intellectual virtues. Um, in this book that I've written with my colleague, Mark Perez, um, it, is, it looks at uh, logic and um, it looks at informal reasoning and, and fallacies and biases. And I think the release date is in the fall of uh, 2024. So we're certainly looking forward to that. But one of the little tables or charts that I have is I say that you have the actions of a careful thinker on one side, and then you have the virtues of a careful thinker on the other. Now, here's some of the, the actions of a careful thinker. Well, a careful thinker formulates, they formulate an argument. You know, a, an argument really is a simple thing. It, there's three parts to it. You have the support or the premises. You have the conclusion or the claim. And then you have a very critical third part, the inference. So the premises support the conclusion, and the inference is the thought pattern that leads a person logically from the support to the conclusion. You want to formulate an argument very carefully. Um, you want to be clear. You want to be careful. Uh, you want to consider the evidence. You know, uh, those premises come from facts and evidences and reasons. I want to consider them carefully. I want to consider also, you know, if you look at all the evidence, and that, that that's that's a difficult thing to know that you've looked at all the evidence. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you have to make up your mind. Uh, you do the best you can. But I think it's always a good thing to consider evidence that goes against your position. Or even before you ever even present an argument, ask yourself, what would be the best argument against my view? I tell students at Biola to do that when they write papers for me in world religions, in logic, um, in various courses, apologetic courses. I always say, you know, 
present your case, give me your best argument for your view, but tell me what the best argument is against your view and how you would respond to it. And you know, Joe, I can't tell you how many times I've had students come back to me and say, wow, I, I never knew that there, there really is a, a challenging argument over there. And um, I had to think very carefully about how I would respond to that. So the actions of a careful thinker, they formulate an argument, they consider evidence, they define things, they come up with definitions. Definitions are very important in your thought life. Uh, we started off our programs, we, we tried to define a conspiracy theory. What, is it, what does it mean? We identify the conclusion, the premises, we go through a process of analysis, and then we ask questions. Uh, again, I think that I, I think that's something that's great about philosophy. It encourages you to ask these Socratic type questions, and I and I don't think any of that is foreign in the New Testament. I think in the New Testament, it's the issue of being discerning, being careful being deliberate. And, and of course, uh, another action of a careful thinker is at some point you have to make a judgment. You have to, okay, I, I've looked at the evidence, I've weighed it, I've formulated it, I've tried to identify, analyze it, I've questioned it. Now here's my, here's my judgment. And those are actions of a careful thinker. And we want to do those deliberately uh, we want to be very careful in that process of uh, those, those uh, actions. Now, on the other side of the chart, I put what I call virtues of a careful thinker. So you've got actions. Now you've got virtues. What are the virtues of a careful thinker? I think one of them is curiosity. I think you need to be genuinely curious. Um, I, I think sometimes, for example, in, in Christian apologetics, some people who are not Christians, they think, well, you're more interested in winning the argument or you're more of an apologist than you are kind of a reflective thinker. I, I, I think whatever field we're in, we need to be curious. You need to be curious enough to look at the other side. You need to be curious enough to ask questions. Um, I think curiosity is a very important virtue. And um, it, it then flows from another virtue. And I wish I knew more about this second virtue uh, and I could tell you more, it's humility. And hmm. humility is a very difficult virtue. Uh, but scripture, and you remember our colleague, Dave Rockstad, who we did this podcast with for 11 or 12 years, he would always quote the passage, you know, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Mm -hmm. Humility is a, is a very important virtue to, to have. Uh, we could be wrong. Uh, our views could be wrong. Um, and we need to realize that we don't know everything. Uh, we have limitations. We have boundaries. Um, we want to be humble. We want to be teachable. That's a, that's a second virtue. A third virtue, it should go without saying, but I don't know, honesty, hmm. being, being honest. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, a lady, she's a scientist, had actually won a Nobel Prize. But she came out and said that she was part of uh, 
a scientific study and she said, um, I can't duplicate it. I was wrong. Uh, I thought the data was right. I made a mistake. And I thought, wow, I, I actually think part of that honesty, that's the reason she did receive a Nobel Prize in another area because of that kind of honesty, you know. And, and again, it, it's, we have temptations not to be honest. I don't, I don't want my reputation to look bad or, you know, it's going to hurt me in some way. I, I think this kind of honesty um, is, is important. Any, any comments so far? Curiosity, humility, honesty? I appreciate your descriptions there, and I'm convicted for not uh, exhibiting them the way I ought to, but uh, keep going. Sounds good. We're all in the biggest room in the world, the, the room for improvement, right? That's right. That's the big one. Well, a fourth one, and, and I think, again, this flows uh, generosity. Um, you know, I, I think God is generous. Uh, generosity flows from his grace. He is, uh, he's generous in his love, in his mercy, in his kindness. He lets the rain fall on the just and the unjust. I want to be, be generous. Now, I'm not going to be so generous that someone takes advantage of me. I'm not going to be so generous that I uh, don't see a wolf, uh, you know, acting as if he's a sheep. But I want to be generous. And I, I think the recognition that I have limitations, I have boundaries, um, I haven't read everything, I haven't seen all the data, um, I have my own biases, it means that I can be generous. Um, and I think a lot of times, Joe, and I wonder what your thoughts are on this. Um, when I have had conversations with people, and it was more a, it was more a dialogue and an exploration than it was kind of a, uh, a defense of the faith. Um, there was a there was a, a sense in which people walked away from it feeling like. You know, I enjoyed that. I I benefited from that. I, I I think sometimes when we have those kinds of discussions, people, you know, they open up more. They they drop their uh, uh, you know their hesitancy about things. Uh, I think when when we actually have exchanges, um, that can go a long way. And it, it's it's easy as a Christian apologist to always be defending and to always feel like you have to be on the defensive. I think when we let, can let our defenses down and be generous with people, they get a lot more out of it. We get a lot more out of it. I wonder what you think about that. Uh, I, I appreciate it. Uh, let me run this thought by you. Um, from time to time, I get in a conversation with some friends who are uh, more skeptical of the way things are presented to us by media, by government, by whoever, more skeptical than I am. And they have spent a lot more time reading and thinking about a particular issue than I have. So when I get together with uh, them, uh, I'm often in a quandary uh, in my own mind thinking, do I just let them keep going on? Because I'm pretty sure what they're saying is not true, not right. But I want to be generous uh, and let them keep going. 
but then how do I, you know, how do I say, yeah, I see what you're saying. I need to look into that. Well, I'm not going to look into it because it sounds totally silly to me, but um, yet I've let them go on that long. So I guess I'm confessing a, a bit of a struggle there. How do I be generous and honest uh, at the same time when something just doesn't seem right? Well, I, I, I share that with you. I, I don't always know how to kind of break through in those kinds of moments. And I, you know, I, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. I want to be generous. Uh, but, you know, I, I know you, I've known you a long time and you are a very careful thinker. You know, you, you try to get right to the, the issue. Um, and I, I, I think maybe we can go back to asking questions again. You know, questions are not threatening. Um, you know, you're you're not making accusations. You're just saying, okay, well, if I if I adopted your view, uh, what would that say about this? Or you know, that sometimes that can be very very helpful. I know when I've had really good professors, they were really good at asking questions. They they didn't necessarily push their viewpoint. But uh, they would ask me uh, questions in such a way that I felt like, wow, I hadn't thought of that. So I think we want to be generous, but, uh, you know, sometimes we, we do need to challenge people. So I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. And I think asking questions is sometimes a good method. You know, you don't, people don't feel like you're raining on their parade. You're just, hey, I'm asking a question. Mm-hmm. Another... Uh, virtue of the careful thinker is courage. Um, you know, um, courage is a, is a very important virtue uh, in, in life. Um, the classical philosophers called it fortitude, to, to be courageous. And, um, you know, I, I think that in our world, where there's kind of a politically correct view or there's a more accepted view. Sometimes it takes a lot of courage to stand up and say, I, I don't agree with that. I, I, I think that that's false. I think it's wrong. Um, and, and of course, you could put it on the other foot. Sometimes it takes a great deal of courage to say, you know, I have invested a lot of time with that and I actually think I was wrong. I think courage is so important. Aristotle, the great Greek philosopher, said that that courage is the virtue that guarantees all others. If you don't have courage, then the other virtues surrounding it don't have the kind of foundation that it needs. And, um, you know, it's not easy to be courageous. I wish I were more courageous myself. There are times where I think I've been weak or I've lacked courage, but I I think that that's a very important virtue, uh, and I think it's very important with a scholar, uh, the strength to stand up and challenge, or the strength to say, you know what, I blew that, I made a mistake, then let me clear the air. That is a uh, you know, that is such an important virtue in, in life. And, um, you know, we see it in Jesus. We see it in Paul. Uh, we see it in the prophets of Israel, uh, this, this real courage. And um, so that's a critical virtue uh, for the thinker 
Do I yeah. have guts to stand up? Yeah, just a, th a thought on that. Uh, sometimes that comes uh, with a price. Um, I can think of a, an instance where uh, I, I felt the need to speak up on a moral issue and I knew it wasn't going to be popular <laughs> and I got some backlash uh, uh, for it, but I thought it was the right thing to, to say. Um, I don't know if I was courageous, perhaps I was, but it just didn't sit well with me and I, w I wasn't um, going to allow that to, to continue to fester uh, in my mind when I knew I could speak into something uh, truthfully, but it came at a cost. Yeah, at, absolutely. Yes. Another virtue. So curiosity, humility, honesty, generosity, courage, those are pretty high bar. Carefulness, carefulness. Um, you know, I, I think it, we can go through a process where we're deliberate, where we're careful. Uh, it's easy to kind of rush in. It is easy to uh, feel passionate about something and not maybe not give it the kind of careful, deliberate analysis. Can I, to some degree, can I be dispassionate about it? Can I look at both sides? Now, it's not always easy. Uh, human beings are not just intellects. We have feeling, we have passion. That's the way God made us. Uh, those serve, I think, a very important purpose. Uh, but this idea of being careful, um, and usually it means slowing down. Usually it means, uh, you know, I, I want to look at that argument one more time. I, I want to evaluate it one more time. I want to I see if there's maybe some evidence I haven't, evidence that's really relevant that I haven't considered. That kind of carefulness. Um, again, I think, I think God is honored by that. Um, you know, I think about my own dad. My dad was a, a, a truck and automobile mechanic. And, um, you know, he would tune up these cars. And when there was a glitch in the system, he would come in and, uh, you know, try to help him figure it out. And he had a particular process where he worked through that. I, I think when we do that, uh, I know you do that. You edit manuscripts, you edit my articles, you you have a process, you know, you have a checklist that you work through, see if all these things uh, are, are correct. So that kind of carefulness, I think, is uh, an important one. And then my last one here, Joe, is fair-mindedness, fair-mindedness. Um, and again, I think that goes back to this golden rule of apologetics. Um, I don't have to agree with you. I don't have to agree with culture. I don't have to agree with the government. I don't have to agree with the president. Uh, I don't have to agree with anybody, but I, I can be fair. Um, I, I can be fair-minded in that I quote their best sources. I can be fair-minded in that I'm accurate, or or I say, look, I think this is what you're saying. Is this what you're saying? I think that that idea of being uh, fair-minded, and um, again, I think that says a lot about someone's character when it comes to the persuasion issue. I mean, Aristotle would say you need logos, ethos, and pathos. Uh, logos, the logic, arguments, reasons, but ethos, you need, I need to 
I need to come off to the to persuade the other person that I'm trustworthy. And then pathos, uh, you know, the the expression that this is really matters. I'm I have feelings about this because it's so important. I I think we are tempted at times to think in apologetics that it's just a matter of sprinkling the right ar arguments and uh, in front of somebody and they're gonna they're gonna be persuaded. I mean, I'm in the Augustinian school and I don't think arguments in and of themselves convince people. I think it's the grace of God. Now, I think God in his grace uses arguments and reasons, but I think part of that argument is the ethics and the pathos sometimes not just not just the logos. So those are those are my virtues. I'm calling them the uh, intellectual virtues. Again, they're curiosity, humility, honesty, generosity, courage, carefulness, and, and fair-mindedness. And you know, it wouldn't hurt to just print those out. And if mm -hmm. you're looking through something, you just, hey, those are just as I want to be faithful to my spouse, just as I, I want to avoid bearing false witness, I don't want to steal, um, you know, I want to honor my mother and my father, all of those critical moral principles, you know, that you engage in the intellectual virtues, and no one's perfect. Uh, we all make mistakes. Um, you know, we have biases, we have prejudices, we're sinful people, we get angry. Um, you know, we, we have all kinds of challenges that come our way, but I think the Lord is, is honored when we do this. And, um, I think it, I think it actually makes a real difference on whether somebody is persuaded as to our arguments. Wonderful. Well, thank you for your thoughts, Ken. These have been very helpful for me and I'm sure for our listeners as well. And thank you, uh, listeners, for uh, listening to these three podcasts. We sure hope they've been helpful for you. There's a lot of conspiracies out there, and Ken has uh, really brought some good thoughts to bear, some good questions to ask in the last podcast, virtues in this one, and uh, thinking about conspiracies in general. So we hope this has been helpful and part of your uh, equipping. That's what uh, Ken hopes to do is to equip all of us uh, so that we are more careful in our thinking. So Ken, thanks again for uh, bringing this to our attention in three podcasts. It's been good stuff. All right. Well, let us know your comments and questions. You can reach out to Ken via Twitter. That's at RTB underscore case samples. And we'll be glad to read your comment or question here. You can get clear thinking sent to your device by subscribing to the Reasons to Believe podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and most podcast services. For Ken Samples, this is Joe Aguirre with a reminder that the goal of apologetics is not victory, but truth. Thanks for listening and join us for the next edition of Clear Thinking. Thank you for listening. Your prayers and financial support are reaching people with Reasons for Faith in Jesus Christ our Creator and Savior. To allow Reasons to Believe programs like this to continue, make your gift today at reasons.org.